you go for a walk, and a head starts rolling after you. Huh? What? What? You go to the bathroom after that experience. You have to go to the bathroom immediately. And as you're walking down the long, dark hallway to get to the bathroom, you see something already standing there, waiting for you to enter. And then after both of those horrible experiences, you decide to try to get some sleep. But when you hear a... at your door, you're afraid it might be the black-eyed children. But guess what? They may be the good guys. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover. So we got to get started right away. First off, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now, they're wrestling a bear. The bear's winning. We're standing in horror. We don't want to interfere. This is the intro. Eventually, the Patreon overpowers the bear. It's Painted Demons. Everyone give a round of applause to Painted Demons. Painted Demons is actually a clothing shop. They have some pretty cool designs. I'll put their website in the show notes. They do jujitsu stuff as well. They don't do that on you. They don't show up at your house and get you in a chokehold if you order something. They do jujitsu outfits, and then they also just have a lot of t-shirts and things like that, bandanas. I'll put it in the show notes. Painted Demons, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you would lose a fight to a bear, which is all of us, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really Really helps out a lot. Painted Demons, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. Drive us out of Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed to Brazil. By the time we get there, the sun is set. Super spooky time in Brazil. An owl set. I don't know if they have owls in Brazil. We brought one with us. We let it free. We bring two of them so they can breed down there. We're walking through the streets of a city in Brazil, and food vendors are closing up their carts and wheeling them back home. We're walking, owl on the rooftop, and it's just a nice little walk. I mean, other than the fact we've destroyed the environment with our invasive owl species, moon's up, people are slowly going back to their homes, streets are getting progressively more empty, and then all of a sudden, the street light in front of us is starting to flicker. We notice there's someone walking down the road in front of us. That's fine, right? It's not our street. We don't own it. But it's a little weird because everyone else has gone home except for this one figure walking in front of us. And it seems like the street light that's flickering seems to be flickering in relation to this gentleman. He's just walking in front of us. And then he stops, his back to us, just standing there. All of a sudden, his limbs fall off. We see arms and, you know what limbs are. (laughs) You can picture that, I don't have to describe it. And then his clavicle fell to the ground. His entire body falls apart, and his head lands on top of a pile of his own body parts. And then slowly... Starts to turn towards you. (laughs) Wide eyes. Huge smile just staring at you. (laughs) Now it's Michael Jackson. It turned into Michael Jackson. (laughs) And and we're thinking, okay, that's kind of creepy, right? A head 
<laughs> it's beyond impossible. It's a little more than creepy. I'm not just like, lame. But what's it going to do, right? It's just a head on a pile of body parts. Like, it's not, it can't chase us. It would have to grow arms and legs again to start running after us. The head does a little wink. <laughs> that's, that's not in my notes, but just for the visual. Ding! And then begins to roll after us. Run, run, run! I yell. I'm already 30 feet away from you guys. This is Quebeca Satanica. Quebeca Satanica. Or the Satanic Head. <laughs> it's rolling after us. You remember that movie, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Tomatoes would roll down the streets. That's what the Kabanka Satanica would do. It would bounce and roll and laugh, and it would try to breathe on you. The tomatoes didn't try to breathe on you. But these, the tomatoes just ran you over. But this head will just try to get a good breath on you. And the breath is super stinky. Now, it's, that's, I mean, that's not the reason why we're running for our lives. They're like, P.U. And then we just get a good exercise out of it. If it touches you, if it's able to get close enough to you, you will get sick and you will die. This is a death sentence. So we're just running through the streets of Brazil now. The head is bouncing after us. The thing is, there's very, very limited protection against the satanic head. You can take these things called Palm Sunday crosses. during the cel- It's a Christian celebration of Palm Sunday when Jesus showed up to Jerusalem. You can make, you have palm leaves to do that. And then afterwards, someone goes, what are we supposed to do with all these palm leaves? So someone came up with the idea of turning them into crosses. You can set those outside your door. And so as a satanic head is rolling through the neighborhood, it may not go to your house. But like in our situation where we're running down the street, there's no defense against this. It's not like you can just have a bunch of Palm Sunday crosses. You're throwing them like ninja stars. Completely ineffective. There's actually no defense in the wild. The only thing you can hope for is to get back to your house and you have a little Palm Sunday cross sitting outside your door and it's effective because sometimes he'll just roll into your house anyways. Incredibly powerful figure. It's a trickster. You think it's a human, so it has that shape-shifting quality. It can roll after you, so hopefully you're going uphill and that head's like, oh, I can't get the momentum. But other than that, if you're going downhill, he's going to get you. He's going to breathe on you. He's going to touch you. You're going to die. And sometimes he just appears in your bedroom. Sometimes you'll wake up in the middle of the night and you'll see like a lump at the end of your bed and you're like, hmm, that's weird. I remember I left my lump on the couch. What's that? And you move the blanket aside and then you see <laughs> a head staring at you. And you're kind of done. I mean, at that point, you might as well just go back to sleep because you know you're going to die soon. Might as well get a nice sleep. You've already been touched by Satan's head. A bizarre cryptid. It's unstoppable. You don't come across those very often. I think a lot of these cryptids, these legends, they want to teach lessons like, don't go to the riverside late at night, kids, and because you'll drown. But they say, because there's like some river nymph down there that's going to drag you into the water. There's like a moral to that. This one is just, don't exist in Brazil. Don't be in Brazil because at any point, Satan's head will just show up in your house, in your bedroom of all places. Or you're just walking down the street, a guy disintegrates, head will chase you. Welcome to Brazil. There's no moral to this at all. And there's no way to stop it. It will get you if it wants to. A little spooky story to start off today's episode. Painted demons. Let's go ahead and hop in the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to leave behind Brazil. Check check our pockets. Make sure we don't have any head-sized bulges in our pockets. Take us out of here. We are going to Michigan. Specifically... We are headed to Highland Park, Michigan. 
And as we're headed out there, I turn to you and I go, watch Justice League tonight. We don't have time to do a whole promo. Watch Zack Snyder's Justice League tonight. HBO Max, rated R. Batman's in it and people get punched in the nuts for, for four hours. It's going to be spectacular. Uh, watch it. I'm poking you. I'm poking you in the chest. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. I don't have time to do a promo. I wasn't getting paid by HBO to do a promo. I'm just really excited about that movie. And I think it's awesome. No one thought it could be done. Zack Snyder did it. So very, very cool. Don't give up on your dreams, people. Take that as an example of that. We're going back to August of 1972. It's a hot, summery month in Michigan. I don't know. I didn't check the weather report. It could have been a freak snowstorm. But it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the story. Pain of Demons is bringing the dirigible down. It's 1 a.m. in the morning. In Highland Park, there's a house. It's just a normal house full of a normal family. And this night, their child, let's call her Samantha, is having a sleepover with her best friend. We'll call her Annie. So Samantha and Annie. They're hanging out. They're playing games, doing each other's hair, watching TV, whatever. Whatever girls do when they hang out together. Pillow fights, stuff like that. These girls are eight, by the way. So it's not like they're out putting on makeup and hitting the clubs. These two eight-year-old girls. Annie is visiting the house. And then at 1 a.m. she wakes up. Oh, oh, my tummy. I have to go to the bathroom. She hops out of bed. And as she's walking through the house to find the bathroom, she hears a noise. She's on alert now. Who else would be up at 1 a.m., she thinks. Probably someone else who has to use the bathroom. She's already in an unfamiliar setting late at night. And now she's hearing noises. When she gets to the hallway that leads to the bathroom, she notices that the bathroom light is already on. She's standing there in the hallway. The bathroom seems immeasurably far away. With the bathroom door slightly opened, allowing just a little bit of light to escape the room. And then she sees a child standing in the bathroom. She says it reminded her of a starving child. It looks so emaciated. It looks so thin. And as her eyes are adjusting to the darkness, trying to make out the silhouette standing in the bathroom, she sees other features. A large oval head. Huge eyes. A thin arm ending in three fingers. She's looking at what we would know as a gray alien. Remember, the story started off, she had to go to the bathroom. So it's no surprise at this point, she just begins to pee all over the floor. She's looking at this thing. It's staring at her. She's peeing all over her best friend's carpet. And she passes out. The next thing she knows, she's in bed. When she's kind of trying to figure out what happened, she looks down and her underwear is glowing. She's like, what? I left my glowing underwear at home because I'm super embarrassed by it. These underwear... Glowing. That's odd thing one. Odd thing two is as the family starts waking up and everyone's going about and she's smelling the smell of breakfast being cooked and all that stuff, She's waiting for someone to complain. They're like, dude, your underwear's too bright. I'm trying to read the newspaper. She's waiting for people to complain about her peeing on the floor. But nobody does. And as she's walking through the house, down that hallway again, she looks to where she knows she peed all over the floor. There's nothing there. 
she said for about a week after this whole thing, she had a hard time walking. She felt like she had a catch. You know, how, like when you're walking, you feel like you have your catch in your hip. And the story goes on to imply some sort of implant was placed in her during her abduction. She just saw the thing, but she blacked out, so she has that loss of time. But the story kind of goes that she had some sort of implant put in her. But it doesn't end like that. Because later on, Annie tells Samantha about what happened that night. And while Samantha kind of blows it off at first, but later on, Samantha does see it. And begins to tell Annie, I I saw it. I saw the thing. But Annie just goes, I'm just never going back to your house. I'm fine. Samantha's stuck there. She's living there in this house. And she starts telling her family members, I think there's an alien here, you know, uh, Annie, she doesn't come by anymore, her, her, her underwear glows, that should be evidence enough, I think I'm seeing this thing, and no one in the family believes her, and Samantha is stuck growing up in this house where she's being tormented by this gray alien appearing out of the darkness. And eventually it got so much for Samantha, she took her own life, leaving Annie the only survivor of this encounter. This is an interesting alien story. I mean, just on the on the facts of it, it crosses the line between alien encounter and horror. I mean, that is a scary story. Getting abducted into a UFO, that's pretty scary, too. I'm not going to say, like, what? That's totally lame. That's scary on a different level. But it being in your house and the whole idea of it hiding in your bathroom and just kind of... Be, what was it doing in there? Was it waiting for her? Did it know that she was going to have to go to the bathroom? Was it looking for Oxycontin? Was it actually trying to go through the medicine cabinet? And she stumbled across it? You have all these horrific visuals. There's another interesting layer about this. I read these reports. I got this stuff from thinkaboutitdocs.com. And this is the only time I've stumbled across this in thinkaboutitdocs.com. Or really, I don't want to say ever. But I can't think of a time I, I came across this. There's two versions of this story. With two very important details missing. They're actually... Most of the stuff is the same. Highland Parks, Michigan, August 1972. Sleepover. But the big differences are one had a boy in it, one has a girl in it. The boy does not have the glowing underwear. The boy does not have any trouble walking. So you have the boy version, you have the girl version. The girl version is actually reported... Both of them are reported by MUFON as well, which is the Mutual UFO Network. So it's weird that... You have a clearinghouse for UFO stories. And I don't know how this got cycled through. I mean, it makes you think that it's more likely to be fake because they're just gender swapping the characters or something like that. I don't know. They're like, hey, this will work really good for the girls. The girls like spooky stories. Let's put them in it. I'm not for sure. Bud Hopkins is actually connected in the girl version, the version I told you, with the glowing underwear and the walking weird, Bud Hopkins, which is a huge name in ufology, he put his name behind the girl version. Another difference, another key difference, I actually kind of blended the stories a bit, because I don't know, because I don't know which one's true. Everything that I told you about the girl one is from the girl narrative, but in the girl's version of the story, the person who commits suicide is a random person in the house. In the boy's version of the story, it is the best friend he grows up with and is having the sleepover with who kills himself. So I kind of swapped the ending there just because I thought it was more dramatic rather than just the uncle showing up and be like, hey, everyone, you mind if I stay here for a couple nights? And then he kills himself. I mean, it's still tragic, but... And I wanted to address that, too, that I had combined the two stories. It's just a bizarre 
detail. I haven't seen this where you have the same story from the same source that changes key details. So is the story fake? Is I, I don't think the story happened in two... I don't think the same story happened in two different houses. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. it it's just, it's. It, but aside from that, it is a spooky story. And it's one I think we can all relate to. One of the creepiest things you can do, especially at, at a house that you're not used to, is go to the bathroom. Right? Because you don't know the layout of the house. Painted Demons, let's leave behind Highland Park, Michigan. We got one more story to cover this episode. Call in that Carboner Copter. We are headed out to Malaysia. We're headed out to Sabah, Malaysia. It's December 30th, 2020. It's 3 a.m. Painted Demons land us here in Sabah, Malaysia. We see a car drive by. That's 3 a.m. It's really late. There's not a lot of traffic driving around at 3 a.m. These guys, they're just having a good time driving their car around. They're just chilling with their homies. And then they see something in the darkness. Car drives by, and the guy in the back seat goes, Whoa, 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 did you see that? Driver's like, no, what was that? And there's something out there. There's something in the darkness. The guy turns the car around. They're driving back. And they see it again. Something in the darkness. It's a little kid. At 3 a.m. They immediately realize what they're looking at. Is a ghost. A little ghost boy. Riding a tricycle. In the middle of the street. At 3 a.m. They slow the car down. And they begin to follow this ghostly figure. This is on video. If you ever wanted proof of ghosts, the video is in the show notes. Guy whips out his camera phone. They start going, If you are human, please stop! Little ghost child is riding the tricycle. Now it's actually riding down the road. It's entering an intersection. There's no other cars, though. But what would a car do to a ghost? A car would just pass right through it. This little boy, this little ghost boy on a ghost tricycle is slowly riding down the road. If you're human, please stop, the people keep saying over and over and over again. It's on video. And the ghost is not stopping. So proof, obviously, right? They record it and they get super scared because they just saw a ghost on a tricycle. And then they go home. (laughs) What other people did, other people in the neighborhood, they're like, why are people out there yelling if you're human? Stop. (laughs) Who are they yelling that to? People are looking out their windows. They see a ghost boy on a tricycle riding around the neighborhood. They call the police. (laughs) They didn't know the number for Ghostbusters, so they called the second best number. They call the police. The police comes out. Police see this, and they go, that's not a ghost. It's not a ghost. It's a four-year-old boy who is riding his tricycle out after 3 a.m. They're like, if he'd been doing it at 2 a.m., it would have been totally fine. But 3 a.m., that's curfew for four-year-olds. The cops rush out there, they scoop him up, they take him home to his family. I believe he had some sort of developmental issues, and that's why when people were yelling at him, if you're human, please stop, he kept on writing. Also, even if you you knew what they were saying, you would be like, uh, weirdos, of course I'm a human, you would keep going. You'd be like, maybe I'll find some non-weird humans. He was just out patrolling the neighborhood on his little bicycle. 
And everyone got a good laugh. It is a real video. You can. It's not in English. It's not in English. I didn't actually understand what they were saying, but in the article, they were saying, like, stop, stop. And the actual quote was, if you are a human, please stop. They were saying that. And everyone got a good laugh. The kid's fine. The people, the dudes look like total boobs. I actually made that mistake. I talked about it a long time ago on the podcast where me, my friend Steve Damewood, my buddy Mauricio Carrillo, I think was his name. We saw a Civil War ghost. We were driving out in the middle of nowhere, and we saw a Civil War ghost. And it turned out it was just a well. It turned out it was just an elderly security guard in a gray outfit. But we drove past him like three or four times, going, "Ah, it's a ghost! It's a ghost!" We actually thought he was a ghost. We thought he was a Civil War ghost in Northern California. I don't know why we we thought that at an industrial park where they hire security guards. But we thought it was a ghost. On the one hand, I can empathize with these guys, but on the other hand, I read the story. And to put a little nugget in my brain, let's put on our conspiracy caps here for a second. There's a lot of people who believe in predictive programming that televisions and movies, there's this weird thing of the Illuminati, one of the rules they have to follow is they have to warn you about what they're going to do before they do it so it will work. And that's why Simpsons has 9-11 references and things like that. And so you have that thing. We've debunked that a lot of times on this show. Then you have this other idea that... They use movies and televisions to get us used to things they want to do or ways they want to control society. That one I can actually see happening. If I was a super rich, powerful person, I would want movies to reflect the way I want the world to be. If I want the world to be this way, if I want the world to be in this beautiful post-scarcity Star Trek utopia, then I'm going to push that all the time. I'm going to be like pushing Star Wars, pushing the movies that make the future like totally grim. And it, technically it's not the future, but you know what I mean? Like sci-fi stuff that's really dark. I would try to push that away and I'd try to go, no, everything gets better. Transhumanism, da 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 If that's what I wanted, that's what I would push. So you see people go, that's the reason why Hunger Games, that's the reason why Terminator movies, that's why these post-apocalyptic movies are being pushed because the powers that be are trying to push us to a post-apocalyptic future. They want us to be under their control. The problem with that theory is all of those movies are about citizens rising up and destroying the government. The Hunger Games is the ultimate libertarian wet dream because it ends, spoiler alert, it ends with all governments being corrupt, even the good governments, and the hero living off the land with her family. Katniss Everdeen destroys two governments in one day and the world is lawless for the most part. And she goes off to live in the woods. It's the ultimate libertarian slash anarchist dream. So it doesn't make sense. Like if they're trying to prepare us for a future where the the powers that be rule as the elite and everyone else is their slave, movies like The Hunger Games are actually the opposite of it. It shows that a small group of people can actually enforce major changes and overthrow corruption. You wouldn't want that movie out there if you were a member of the Illuminati. That type of movie actually shows that they don't have ultimate control. If you believe in the idea of the Illuminati or groups trying to influence the world and things like that. It sh- the movies coming out like that and being big hits shows that they have they don't have control over Hollywood because that's the exact opposite message they want to show. But I, I, I do lean more towards the idea of people trying to shape the world and society by influencing what we see in movies. With these guys... And I've actually said this multiple times on the show. I've actually, oh, I've said it multiple times on the show. I've said, if I ever see a kid in the middle of nowhere, I'm going to assume it's a ghost. I've said that all the time. You hear, walking down the street, you hear a little girl singing. I've made tons of jokes about that. In my mind, little kid in the middle of nowhere, you think it's a ghost. And in this circumstance, if I was there, 
Would I have thought that the kid on the tricycle was a ghost? Well, I thought an old man in a gray outfit was a Civil War ghost. I might have. I might have. And I've said several times, if I saw a little kid in distress, I, this is on a recent episode, I go, sorry, bro, I don't know if you're a ghost. So I thought about it. What if the stories of the black-eyed children are 100% fake? What if the stories of children ghosts are hyped in the media through movies like The Ring and movies like The Grudge and all these ring around the rosy, all these spooky children motifs in movies are all social programming to get us afraid of seeing kids in unusual places. If you see a child in an unusual location, you'll think it's a ghost. And what if the reason behind that is that if we're ever driving down the road in the middle of the night and we see a young girl standing on the street corner, we think it's our immediate reaction is that's a ghost. When really it's a girl who just escaped a kidnapper. Or we see a young boy standing in what we all know of as a haunted house, that abandoned structure on the edge of town. We're driving by amateur ghost hunters and we see a young boy standing at the window. Maybe we'll snap a quick photo before we get out of there. It's so terrifying. Even though that we're amateur ghost hunters, we didn't actually expect to see a full-body apparition of a 10-year-old boy. We speed away before we see a hand grab the child and yank him back into the darkness of that house. You could have cults and groups using these myths of haunted locations so most people don't bother with them in the first place. They can do what they need to in that location. Whether it's human trafficking or whatever dastardly deed they're up to, they know people aren't going to stumble across it. There was a story recently about these ghost hunters who went to a shack out in the middle of nowhere. I'll put it in the show notes. While they were goofing off with their flashlights and spirit boxes and stuff like that, they opened up a refrigerator. There was a human body in it. They left the location. They called the police. And then the place burned down. So there is precedent for this type of thing and i'm thinking what if all these stories about haunted children and and little because they're all over if you're making a low budget horror movie it's almost like a given that you're gonna cast a kid because they're super kids are creepy to begin with so now you just spray paint them white and give them black contact lenses they're even creepier what if it's all this social programming so that when there's a knock on your door at 3 a.m and you hear a child's voice crying for help It's not 100%, but there's a chance that that door they're knocking on will be yours or mine. And we have heard black-eyed kid stories over and over again. It's creepypasta on podcasts. There's even movies about black-eyed children. And when we hear a kid outside our house at 3 in the morning, it makes us hesitate. takes us even longer to get to the door as we're debating, should I open it? And by the time we get to the door, there's no one there. It reinforces in our mind the idea that the child was paranormal. But the child simply realized there was no one here to help them. And they ran back off into the night, hoping someone else would hear their cries. Is it possible that all these stories of ghostly children and demonically possessed preteens are actually just a cover to make us afraid when we see them? So if you do ever hear that knock on your door at three in the morning and the voice of a frightened child, 
Will you open the door immediately? Will you hesitate? Will you think something dark and evil is on the other side of this door? Or will you let that child into your house, keeping them safe while you dial 911? Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you let that child in your house and the legends were true. You just accepted a black-eyed child into your home. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Bye.